Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, today we've got a special guest with us, um, Andrew Burke from Ray White Special Project. Welcome. Scott Melinda, thanks for having me back. Yeah, second time on the podcast. Um, for those that have been long-time listeners, you may recall Andrew joined us nearly two years ago now, um, and we talked about the supply pipeline of development sites, which includes the supply pipeline of properties in general for uh, a lot of Southeast Queensland. So we have invited Andrew back because I think given the current environment, we've been through COVID, now we're going through an interest rate um, cycle where interest rates are increasing, a lot may have changed in that space. So really excited to get some insights in terms of what's actually happening in that space. So yeah, very pleased to have you back on the show. Mate, can you um, just give us a bit of a, of the listeners, a bit of an understanding of, of, of your division? So Ray White Special Projects, yep. What sort of things do you do and sell? So Ray White is a franchise model. We're based in head office. Um, and look, as opposed to some of our Ray White colleagues who are very geographic orientated, who have their little patch in the world, we're more asset class. So we'll go all over Queensland, New South Wales. We're mainly doing two things. The vast part of it is residential development sites. So we're selling land to developers who will build units. They'll build townhouses. They'll do land subdivisions. And we also sort of morphed in a little bit lately doing what we call residential investments. So boarding houses, student accommodation, blocks of units. But yeah, a fair bit of our business, Ray White Special Projects, based in the city, is selling development sites. That's really interesting. I know that, um, you know, just what we're seeing from the buyer's agency perspective, um, there's been a real dry up in um, sites that are becoming available that have that development potential, unlike where we were back in 2016, where we had so many cranes in the sky in Brisbane, um, you know, all of those cranes have dropped. But really, if there's cranes in the sky, it means the sites have been purchased, the development approvals have been in place, building approvals are in place and construction's underway. But obviously, um, when we're looking at development site sales, that's the future pipeline of what is coming. Andrew, help us understand, you know, what is that supply pipeline looking like from your perspective? It's light on. It's, yeah. it's very light on, which I suppose is a good thing, you know, for, for people who already own. And look, you know, construction, Cranes is a very visible way to, to check it, but it only really drills into the unit market. But look, without getting too bogged in detail, the big thing, I mean, press is full of interest rate rises and that's certainly playing a large part in the market, but construction cost is far and away the biggest thing happening to the development, the development site market. It's not only that the costs have gone up potentially sort of 30, 35%. It's just that they keep moving around. Mm. So it's very hard to do a feasibility. These developers are very clever. They can have a pretty good anticipation of value. They can have a pretty good anticipation of sort of finance cost and this sort of thing. But if you don't know how much it's going to cost, it's pretty hard to put a value on the land. So it's not only that it's rising, it's sort of rising, coming back, rising. It's still over the shop. So no one is purchasing things that you can't stage. Mm, that's interesting. And if your crane index is a good one, there's this, you know, there's, there's only very, the unit, demarc- unit market is really only happening in small boutique, small scale, owner occupied develop, development sites for units. 
there's very little large scale development happening at the moment for units. So is it is is it a combination then obviously the construction costs moving mm. and I guess for a developer, um, as we know, developers don't want to buy something and sit and hold on it for a while um, and just let it let it do some groundwork and go up in value in itself because the holding costs are going to outweigh that and the construction costs well, as you say, they're a little bit, they're still a bit unknown, really. Yeah, it's exactly right. Um, and you also, that's exactly the reason. The other one, too, is all these people have pre-committed sales. So they're purchasing things, selling things off the plan, and then the construction cost has moved up, which makes their development unviable. Mm. So, so what are you while, seeing people so We're just seeing developers. Yeah, that's happening. They'll put a spin on it and say they'll put, you know, various town planning issues, but a lot of them their revenues aren't covering with the construction costs up. But they've got to keep some of them. This just depends. Developers have done things where they'll just small loss leader or break even because if they get known as someone who crashes contracts, that'll ruin the following stages of their development. Yeah. Mm. So it's construction cost is everything at the moment. And um, yeah, and that's really reducing the amount of activity in certain sectors. But in the you know, there's certain sectors you've got to drill into, but units especially. Yeah. And that's really interesting. And if we talk about big picture, um, right now in Brisbane, we have a, a chronic shortage of uh, rental stock. There's really not enough properties available for people to rent. The only way we're going to see a huge increase in the number of rental properties is for more to be built um, effectively because owner-occupiers are not selling out to investors to create more supply. And from what you're saying, that pipeline looks pretty slim. Yeah, like, like everything, you've got to drill down into which market you're talking about. Um, but if you, if you, you know, because there's, there's land subdivisions, mm. there, so that's the land market, there's, there's units and then there's townhouses. But um, look, look, to take your point up about chronic undersupply, the one that's chronically undersupplied that's most visible, the most opportunity, I think, is buying units. Mm. The, you know, the, the Brisbane unit market was called undersupplied two years ago and that COVID led to some inactivity, uncertainty, plus this construction cost, people aren't doing anything. So we see value, I'd suggest there'll be value for your buyers buying units. Bingo, and if, if people... Especially second-hand ones. Yeah. And if people have been listening to our podcast, you'll recall that we started to call that transition in the unit and townhouse market as well um, back in, in January this year. And we've certainly seen some substantial growth in that segment of the market since then. And we do expect that that segment of the market will continue to grow based on affordability and a lack of supply. And the supply's not easily turned around. Mm. It's It takes a long time to get a high-rise unit development out of the ground. So... Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And, and and also, I guess, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, I guess, but when, when you put on top of that, when you talk about the low supply, construction costs are an issue, um, the rental crisis side of things, our, our migration is still strong. Mm. We're still affordable. So people are still moving to Brisbane and southeast Queensland. Um, long term, long, long term, we've got the Olympic Games coming here in 10 years' time. So there's a lot of pressure on that um, mm -hmm. to get that supply and get get builders in the, in building on sites again as well. We got we you know we're in Ray White's head office, so we're exposed to all the different markets and, and the data and that. And look, Brisbane's by far, or Southeast Queensland's by far the most is the most favourable and, um, and and due to sort of increase in value out of any market. Mm. 
Because, you know, when, when you say the Olympics, I'm always very careful saying it because people think, well, well, it's two weeks, right? And, you know, what there's going to be people in town for two weeks. It's actually just about the jobs. Yeah. Mm. We've, we've, we've got the lifestyle. We did before it stopped raining the whole time. So we've got the lifestyle and we've still got the price differential between the interstate, between the Sydney and Melbourne buyers. We've, we've always had that. It's got to be tied up. But what we haven't had is long-term jobs to support all those people because it's all very well. You've got to, got to have a job here unless you're retired, right? So the Olympics is bringing infrastructure projects forward, which is bringing jobs, which creates dwelling dwelling demand. Yep. So, yeah, look, there's, you know, look, there's some, some issues with construction, interest rates. It's a whole different story. They're still relatively low yeah. in historical standards, but... The overall picture, if you're looking at growth, is very strong. And I would have thought that these this little choppy waters at the moment is actually the best time to get in and have a crack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and look, we've seen some really good buying opportunities. Um, and in fact, from being on the ground, we've talked about um, retrospectively what we've seen is July was probably the the quietest uh, month on the ground. Uh, there was a slight pickup in August, but buyers have been back out in September and and now into October. So, you know, perhaps the worst is already behind us, but time will tell in terms of that demand on the ground. We simply view it as that last two years as, as just abnormal, super profit mm. sort of. Yeah. I'd like to, I'll have to double check the figures, but sort of volume of sales, values, this sorts of thing, that's sort of just at the very start of COVID when everyone said well, it's about to fall off a cliff and go down. It went completely the other way. That's right. It is, it is still a very favourable medium and long-term market. Yeah, I think we, we've described it as, well, what it was, was property um, real estate on steroids. Yeah. And now it's come back to normal. Absolutely. So, You've talked about the unit market there, Andrew. Um, can you shed some life or some share some intel on the townhouse market you're seeing many townhouse there's just there's just a lack of supply what what happened a couple of years ago was this city council in brisbane sort of altered what they'd classify as future townhouse sites they on large sites they large sites that earmarked as future townhouse sites they've clamped down on that so it's very hard to get a townhouse to stack up these days Mm. so there's just so little sites zoned like that so we've got a scarcity of supply of existing townhouses. It's a policy fail. Yeah. There should be more sites zoned like that because it fits that medium density product that, that people are lacking. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, we're all living in high-rise units or we're all living in houses out to walk. walk. So mm. it's a policy fail. Just who knows when it's going to be returned. But look, you know, if if you get a, a straightforward townhouse site on the market, it'll be snapped up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and um, now the the land subdivision market. Where are you finding that that land is is available, and how much is is really out there in terms of future supply? Yeah. So we, when we talk about the land subdivision, we're not talking about splitter blocks or you know no. two or three. We're talking about on the fringes of town, um, where you know it's sort of a development would be anywhere between fifty to two thousand lots. Mm. Now that so demand for that in globo piece of land, it, it should actually be dying, but it's actually not. Mm. <laughs> Maybe there's a bit of a lag, but as as we call it, it's catching its breath and normalising after that that hectic time. Mm. So the lower prices, we're just not seeing that yet, and it's just due to a lack of 
large land holdings in southeast Queensland that are suitable for subdivision. So, um, you know, the main reason for that is Queensland seem to have quite fragmented, lots of smaller parcels of land. And what you want is scale to make it cost effective. Mm. At places like Ripley or Narangbar or, or um, Flagstone. So we are seeing, apparently on the ground, so these large existing estates where you have house sales or land sales every weekend, the volume of sales is definitely down, the inquiry is definitely down, and the prices come back a fraction. Yep. That's for your lots, you know, that start to 20000 upwards yep. for a, I don't know, a 300 square metre block of dirt. And you're talking in, in what sort of locations? Yeah, well, they're generally a good 40 minutes outside of town. You, yep. you, they would be that Ripley area on, in mm-hmm. the Western Corridor. Yep. That's always been the cheapest because it's got the most amount of land and it's not restricted. There's some pockets around eastern, around the Redlands area, but there's not a lot left there. And then you get into the north area where there's, um, you know, between sort of round about Caboolture Way, the good way described, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Caboolture West is earmarked as a major new land area and, and a future town, but there's some major infrastructure issues with servicing. So there's all these complexities. Just because you've got the land in the right zoning doesn't actually mean that land can come on. It's yep. state government and, and councils having Barney's who pays for what? So there's not big, large chunks of land that are going to be easily replaced. So that's probably why when we're selling a land subdivision site, the values haven't plummeted, even though the end product values come back and, this, and the sales are slower. So if they're selling fewer lots per week and they're getting lower prices, it should really dictate that they are offering less for the Inglobo parcel. But Every developer's going, well, where else is someone going to buy land? I don't think I'm going to be hit with oversupply. I think, I think that once we get over this glitch, it'll keep going well. Mm. So, so then, okay, if, we, if you compare that a little bit with, if you're talking about the land subdivision, you say that the end sales are a little bit lower. I guess when, you, when there's no supply of unit sites and townhouse sites, mm. what are they doing then if you do get something? Are they, are they going for a good price or are they, they're obviously competitive? Unit sites is just too scary because these are big construction dollars. Everyone's like, don't know what construction's doing, I'm going to sit on my hands. Yeah. There's probably two developers in town who aren't. It's uh, Mosaic and Aria. They're very active. Yeah. Uh, everyone else is just, unless it's small scale, they're just, it's just too scary because, you know, it's, if it's one tower, you can't stage it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas land subdivisions are proceeding. That's still going on. You, and you can stage a subdivision and, and townhouses are selling well, yeah. but there's just not many of them. Yeah. Mm, mm. Interesting. So obviously that gives us a snapshot view of the future supply in terms of, you know, um, from what you've said, the, the land subdivision sites, um, they're still selling well, well generally when they become available and that's off the back of, you know, the fact that there's not a lot of them out there and there's not a lot of future land um, that has the potential to be uh, subdivided up. And then the unit sites, harder to move from what you've said simply because there's such a question mark around the, the construction costs. So developers are really trying or finding it difficult to, to allow those feasibilities to stack up and come to a value. Is it other developers there, but they're just not able to um, meet the, the expectations of the seller or are they just not even in the market at the moment? Not in the market. Yeah. Not looking. Not looking. Unless, unless it's got some strong holding income. Yeah. There's a real difference between anything with holding income and those without. The holding income people say, okay, well, it's a good block of dirt. got some money to, you know, what we call wash its face so it pays its debt. 
okay, that's fine. I've got my foot on that for when things normalise. Mm, yeah. And an example, I mean, you know, we've discussed this off air, but um, we we looked at um, a unit complex in an inner city suburb that, that you guys had marketed just recently. The suburb was Wilston. It's the mm. same location um, where our office is located, four kilometres to the north of the CBD. Tell us a bit about that because that well, was... I, th- a- I think there's a couple of lessons learned there. Um, the first one is... If it's an existing building and there's not too much work to do, that's appealing to people because they don't have to pay construction costs. Mm. Um, the other one is, in you, I've heard you guys in your uh, your media outlets talk about this. It's what I call markets within markets, right? Mm. There is always different conditions per market. So I think the same day we took this block of units to the market at Wilston, there was an article in some of the papers saying the death of property, it's all over Red Rover. We had 21 registered bidders. Mm, mm. We're based in the city, cost you 50 bucks to park. It, it is not easy. Yeah. And there was buyers everywhere for yeah. it. Yeah. And it just shows you what happens is that in uncertain times, people will all clamour to a, a blue chip suburb because it's a very safe inflation hedge. Mm. There wasn't much to do to it. It's a good set and forget. So just on that, so this residential investments, we're seeing it as being a sort of a very underrated part of the market because what you mentioned earlier is you're getting a rental increase. So Brisbane has a real rental crisis. Mm. So if you look at a block of units, an older block of units, they're normally really big inside. They're normally built very well. Yep. The Italian guys built them well in the 70s. They're not glamorous, but you can tart them up by the front and you can make small changes for good inc- extra increases in rental. So you're going to get increased naturally with the market. Increase the Fix up the bathrooms and kitchens, you're going to get a lot more. And if there's ever a problem with a tenant, you've got to drop, you drop the rent by five bucks in the worst case scenario, you get a tenant, you know. We mm. see, I, I found during COVID a lot, we picked up a lot of commercial investors who... We're used to buying like a, a strip shops with sushi and, you know, tattoo artists or whatever they had. If that, if that tenant left, I found because retail was so affected by COVID, you can have vacancies up for a year. Mm. You just don't get that in residential. Yeah. Mm. And it's also a bit of a hybrid asset of block of units. You, you get capital gain in the surrounding house prices that if you're a commercial asset, in that same suburb, you don't automatically pick up that capital appreciation. So you've got rental in- increase from the market, rental increase in what you do to it. You can always get a tenant if the w- worst case scenario anyway, and um, yeah, minimal maintenance. So mm-hmm. we, we see them as a good, sh- and you get that capital gain. So we see them as a pretty underrated asset class. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to change hands a little bit now because they're built in the 70s and traditionally the Italians and Greeks didn't sell them. Mm, that's exactly now, right. Now they are. Yeah, so, yeah. So, and, and there's nothing better than those old units, as you said. They did build them bigger, yeah, big balconies. You know, they they were quite spacious. And you walk into the modern ones now, and everything's just so compacted yeah. and, and quite small, really. And and what's clever is the investors go, well, looks a bit ugly from the outside, but I don't live here. Yeah, it's a straight return. You just people's got to get past. Yeah, yeah maybe no, it's a sure. busy road. Mm. Well, you don't have to live there. Mm. But you're getting more money if you bought than the street. You're getting a better percentage return if you bought a street back. So the other good thing with them is if you do want to, and this is something we, we we obviously look at and help people with as well a bit, is if you do want to do some renovations, compared to a house, 
it's a lot less. Yep. Your bathrooms and your kitchens are generally smaller and there's not so much in the unit, obviously, compared to renovating houses. So it's a lot more compacted. It's smaller. Uh, your, your costs then come down. Um, your chances of getting trades probably a bit better because yeah. it's not such a big job. Um, and you can actually get some work done on just... You might even be able to strata them down the track, yeah. make mm. some money by stratering them. And a lot of them are set on very good blocks of dirt. So there's one we just sold recently at Albion, which will be a great return. But when the building's had its time in 15, 20 years, it's sitting on the top of the hill with all that infrastructure going on for the Olympics. Mm. So, look, yeah, it was sort of got off topic there a little bit, but I see that as an asset class and really couldn't stress enough that to the listeners, just watch the press. Just watch out for what the press is talking about. It is simply not an accurate reflection. I'm not saying this to get listings, but interestingly, was ch- had a beer with a, a couple of journalists, and they made the point: keep in mind, if, if it's a slow news day, you throw out a story about house price growth or house price declines, and it, it'll it, make the headlines. It makes the headlines because we're such an addicted, we're such an addicted people in Australia to property. Yeah. So. When you read this, drill into the detail. Are they talking about a Sydney house? Mm. Are they talking about a Melbourne house? Because just as we, you've, you know, we've, I've talked about a lack of units. So from your listeners, that should be saying, I'm going to go and buy units. I'm going to buy townhouses. And land, yeah, while land's still going well, there's no other land supply happening. That's right. Mm. So treat, you know, just drill into that detail and don't be scared off. Yeah. And it's a really good point that you make. It's something that we talk about quite often in this podcast. It's not about the big media headlines. It's not about rising interest rates. It's actually about the balance between supply and demand for the specific product type that you're looking at. And, you know, when you compare one property against another, there's always going to be one that comes out better based on the local supply and demand metrics for that specific property. So you've pointed that out in a couple of examples Mm. for those, you know, uh, sites where you can buy the whole complex, you get the benefit of the the higher returns. So investors are getting a yield, there's a hedge on inflation, you're still getting strong capital growth. Um, I guess the only drawback there is that you're moving into commercial funding as opposed to resi yep. funding so you do need higher yep. capacity to get into those sorts yep. of assets but um really solid investment option for those that have the capacity to invest larger sums of money and of course if you've got one tenant that has moved out you've got holding income from the other the unit so it's not all or nothing you've always got some income coming in um and if you're wanting to make improvements you can do it to one unit at a time so you've always got some of that holding income um to cover those those costs so Good tip for those that um, are tuning into the the podcast today. If you are um, uh, an investor with a a strong budget and just to help listeners understand what sort of budgets would people need for that type of product, Andrew? One and a half to three million. Yeah. Generally, they all sit about six pack. Rule of thumb is an old six pack. Each unit's worth about 300 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And of course, that's going to depend on the the suburb that we're talking about. Yeah, where it is, yeah, of course. Yeah, and it's interesting when we talk about that media. When you said about, it, I did. Someone said that the second most uh, popular thing to sell news is real estate. So yeah. if they put anything on real estate beyond the news, people will probably listen to it Absolutely. and believe it. Unfortunately, sometimes. Um, just on that unit, I know we talked about the land supply side mm. of it, and you talk about certain areas. As we as we keep growing, um, as we are in, in Brisbane, where what about building units? Like if people are looking, if the developers are looking to build units, where are they where are they sort of targeting? Oh, pretty pretty clear. It's it's where public transport is. Yep. Um, 
that look, it's really driven by where's the differential in price between house price and units. Yeah. West End still built a bit. There's, there's yeah. still been a few. Well, they've, they've got over all the funky amenity. You know, yeah. the, the high rise stuff is that Kangaroo Point, West End, yeah. Woolen Gabba, Newstead. Um, it's all pretty well picked over stuff. So the new suppliers, Brisbane's, you know, it's a great thing about Brisbane. The population is guaranteed to increase with all these jobs. It's yeah. only, it's a great time to be in property or investing in property. It's maybe there's a slight pause now, but it's going on the way up. But the main, where they're going to go is where if you've got massive house price growth, units start appearing. Mm, yeah. Because if you can't, you know, if, if your median house price is getting, people want to stay in that area, they can't afford the house, yeah. they get into units. So exactly. you need median house price growth for a unit site to stack up. And so we sometimes deal with owners who will talk to their architect who has these amazing plans because the, the council might have a favourable zoning and we're going, they're going, we've done these plans, we've got 10 stories of units. We're like, that's great. It's a townhouse site at best. <laughs> so there's what... There's what the law, there's what the bylaws let you build, there's what your architect wants you to build, and then there's what the market will support. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. So and those inner city areas, there's always going to be demand for unit sites, and but selling a unit site, that next tier out, like a next tier out, let's talk about Cherm site or Mount Cravat, mm -hmm. where supply can change quite quickly because all the houses are post-war homes, you can knock them over, mm. generous zoning. So it's great they've got the transport or or the train stations, or they've got Westfield uh, Chermside or Westfield Garden City, but there's a fair bit of supply. So mm -hmm. you, you just got to watch in those areas. If you're buying a unit there, supply can come on pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. And the, the so you're, you're in for the longer haul. Absolutely. The difference between the, you know, potential to build in the inner city locations, some of the blue chip locations that are in, a, in and around those transport hubs is that we do have a lot of those pre-1946 homes here in Brisbane, your typical character Queenslanders, a lot of those will be protected from demolition. So it's not just about the land zoning and what the land zoning of a site or, you know, an amalgamation of sites might permit, but it's also about the overlays that exist on that site. And just because the land zoning might suggest that um, development, you know, up to five or eight storeys is permitted, if there's a character home on the site and there's also a traditional um, character overlay on that site, that house can't be demolished. So therefore it makes development, um, you know, less possible in, in a lot of instances, impossible. So, yeah, and that's you, know, what you, you just got to do your research. We're talking about units are good buyers. It doesn't mean all units are great buyers. You know, if, if you're in this further part of town and you've got heaps of supply, I still I still think you'll go well, but you're going to have to hold it for a long time. And yeah. what your investors probably want to know is where's my get-out clause if they need something quickly. That's right, absolutely. And that is about location and understanding mm. that balance between supply and demand, as we pointed out previously. And anyone that's looking, you know, to buy a unit or a townhouse, in fact, in Brisbane, if you don't understand Brisbane and the market and where those pockets of supply are likely to be, it's really important that you do get professional advice because location selection is what's likely to drive value more so than the product type itself. Absolutely critical. And that, that stands whether you're buying an, a house, a unit or a townhouse, in fact. Um, so make sure you do get that local expert advice understand not just what Brisbane looks like today, but what Brisbane will look like 10 years from now, what infrastructure will be in place at that time, and therefore how you're likely to be living in certain pockets of the city in mm. the future, not just today. Absolutely.
So, so looking looking ahead a little bit, Andrew. Obviously, you're saying supply is tight at the moment. Yeah, what's going to happen? Are, are we going to get more supply? I mean, you guys probably see what's probably in the pipeline a little bit. What's coming? It's really hard to understand. If you look at it, you just got to drill into the to the um, individual markets. So units, unit sites will stack up. The two hundred. If you're looking at inner city, someone will take the punt. When construction costs will settle down, who knows? Six months time. Sites will start yep. being sold and units will start being whipped up. It'll happen, but you just need you just need construction prices to plateau. Yep. To at least stabilise, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So you can run a risk-free fee relatively risk-free fee So the unit supply will ease, but it's a long way off yet. Land, so land subdivision, it, it's, it's going to be hard. This, all these zoning, environmental infrastructure, that means sewer water. These are all the sexy stuff that actually impacts it. Yeah. Mm. And you've got, so even if you solve all that, then you've got 15 different owners who need to combine. Who's paying for what? Mm. So, oh, you know, there's a there's a bit of pressure coming on for, say, that Caboolture West to hurry up. But I think, I don't see the land supply issue being solved very easily. So I think there'll still be demand for land in global land sites for future land subs for some time. Mm, yeah. Um, and townhouses, who knows if they change that law. So look, units units supply will eventually, you can see an outcome that will be solved. Yep. But the others, it, that just to me spells the prices are going to keep going up. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Look, interest rates, of course, is a thing well documented, which is going to have a bit yeah. of an impact. Yeah. And, you know, the first home buyers aren't out in these new estates. These estates we talk about at, at sort of on the fringes of town, the new, yeah, they're back. So they're starting to buy. So that's the big thing. Mm, yeah. It's good to um, to get that broad perspective in terms of, you know, where we are now, but also where we might be heading in the future. I think it tells a story of that supply pipeline and in a capital city that is, you know, growing every year, not only by natural increase, but by interstate migration, but also international migration. Everybody needs a home. Everybody needs somewhere to live, whether they're, you know, moving into a home that they buy for themselves or whether they're moving um, into a home that, that's a rental property supplied by someone else. The fact is the volume of people that are coming um, and the shortage of that future supply is only going to cause a higher vo volume of people fighting it out for fewer properties that are available. It's going to push people out further from the CBD and it's going to push prices up. We're not talking about tomorrow or next month, but we are talking about the you know period between now and the next 10 years as this all unfolds around us. Comple completely agree. The fundamentals are so strong and I just can't see the supply being greatly altered. So it, it's favourable times. There might be a few blimps and, you know, s some suburbs sort of might take a small hit, but on the whole, I think it's extremely, extremely likely there'll be ongoing value rises. And, you know, it's not going to go down. Yeah. We're not we're not one of these mining towns that half the population is going to disappear. That's you right. know, it's people just need to accept this as a new norm. <laughs> and and see these these times of uncertainty when there there is a lot of um, you know media um, headlines that catastrophize a situation that's really not a, a catastrophe at all. See these times as buying opportunities, opportunities. because Absolutely. the fundamentals are there. <clears throat> the market is still strong. You're just seeing not seeing those frothing buyers who must have. That's right. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, you guys would know better than I do. I mean, 
what happened did it, last year? Did it go up like 25% and we've given back 3%? Actually, in the housing market at its peak, it was 32% price growth across Greater Brisbane. Um, and it's come off just over 5% in the housing market. So, it's like going to a casino and you're up $100 <laughs> and you, you go, I'll keep going, you lost 5 bucks, and you're going to walk out angry? You're going to go, oh, it was a good day. <laughs> you're I, only going to walk out angry if you uh, started bidding at the peak. Well, you're going to be angry if you're – it's a policy fail and at the younger generation it's very hard to afford. I, I, I'm glad I'm old and boring got in there early. So. Well, see, I, I'm old enough to – and I've told people about this before that – Interest rates were about 19% when I purchased my first property. So <laughs> I think they're pretty cheap at the moment. <laughs> well, historically uh, they are. But yeah. But anyway, um, so, mate, look, it's been really good to get an idea of what's happening in that pipeline, that the development space. Um, if there's someone out there with a big farm or a six-pack of units to sell, what do they do? How do they get in touch with you yeah, guys? Yeah, thanks very much for the plug. Yeah, so call Andrew Burke at Ray White Special Projects. Uh, my details might pop up there, but 0417-606-128. What we guarantee is that we'll fully test the market. Now, we will fully test the market and hopefully get you a premium. We won't over-promise and say this is all going to happen, but we will promise we'll fully test the market. We'll get you more, hopefully more than it's worth. And if you're happy with that, great, we do a deal. And if not, we'll all live to fight another day. Mm, yep. But we won't overpromise and then beat you down on price. We'll just tell you what it's worth to start with and hopefully get you more. Yeah. Well, get those get those units selling. Yeah, we'll get them coming to the market at least. Absolutely. Um, and we can talk more. And so. then bring them to our buyers and we'll buy them from yeah. them. So, so <laughs> look, mate, look, thank you very much um, for coming in to have a chat. It's been really good to catch up again. Um, I will let Melinda wrap it up and do the final thanks um, as I normally do. So um, from me, everyone, thanks very much for listening uh, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Andrew, we really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with everybody today and thanks for coming in. Fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Look to be back. Wonderful. And as we always do, if you do want to get in touch with Andrew, we will pop his details in the show notes. So um, feel free to reach out if you do have something that you'd like to chat to Andrew about. As always, I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to share with your friends and families. And if you do get a chance to leave us a review, that would be greatly appreciated. We hope you have a fantastic week and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and, of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.